Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David talks about anticipation and expectation and what you learn during seasons of waiting. Let's listen. Beautiful. Well, as of today, there are 15 more days until Christmas. Or as they say in my household, 15 more days until Christmas. They are so excited uh, at my house right now. And, and I think everyone in this room is probably excited for Christmas, but there are some among us that are even more excited. And that's the children, right? Children get so thrilled for Christmas. I mean, I, I'm sure you can remember those days where you were counting them down. You were filled with anticipation so much so that you just felt like you were about to burst. I mean, I remember one particular Christmas when my younger brother and I were hoping beyond hope for one particular present, and it was a Nintendo 64. I mean, this was the newest gaming system. This had the best graphics, all the new games. This is our heart's desire. And so no joke, two months before, I think every day we would discuss whether we thought we were getting one. We would talk about it, we would look under the tree once the tree got up, saying, okay, do any of the boxes look about the right size? Uh, we would discuss whether we felt there were any hints from our parents, uh, maybe in that direction. We were so excited about the possibility of getting this. And Christmas did not disappoint. We got a Nintendo 64, we hugged our parents, we thanked them so much, and then we promptly ignored them for the rest of Christmas. Just playing this the entire time, but completely obsessed. But I wonder when you think of your own childhood, can you think of something, a gift or some particular experience that you were looking forward to that filled you with that deep, almost unquenchable longing? Yes, anticipation. It's an interesting feeling, isn't it? I want you now as adults to think of the last time that you really anticipated something. Uh, maybe it was a new book coming out from one of your favorite authors and you just couldn't wait to, to purchase it and sit down and finish it all in a weekend. Or maybe it was a particular movie that you thought, oh, when that movie premieres, I'm going to go on the very first night. I just can't wait for that to come out. Or maybe these days, your anticipation is more for those times, those, those moments when the family can get all together in one place. Or maybe it's the joy of watching your own kids or grandkids open their gifts. Maybe that's the anticipation this time of year. Well, we're in the season of Advent, and that word Advent means coming. Yes, during Advent, we live in a world of anticipation. Advent marks the time when we anticipate the coming of the arrival of Jesus as our Messiah. Now, of course, we realize that Jesus has already come. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born as a child in a manger. But we today anticipate the day that Jesus will one day return and bring ultimate peace and ultimate healing into our world. And as we wait for that day, my question is, how do we wait well? Because not all of us are the most patient people, right? Not all of us 
like waiting. So this morning, I'd like to study a a story uh, about a person who lived 600 years before Jesus was born, before Jesus came as the Messiah. And this man's name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah can teach us a lot about how God uses those times of waiting, those in-between times of promise and fulfillment. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet, which meant that God gave him a message and asked him to share that message with a wider audience, with the audience of God's people. Now, the people that Jeremiah was speaking to, they, as I mentioned, lived 600 years before Jesus was actually born. And yet, those same people were waiting for God to send a Messiah. They were waiting for God to come into the world and make all things right. They'd seen war. They'd seen violence. And they longed for the kind of peace that only God could bring. So it is to that world that Jeremiah speaks. We're going to pick up his story in chapter 33, verse 1, when he says this, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Okay, wait, what is Jeremiah doing confined? Why is he confined into a courtyard under guard? Well, apparently, being a prophet is a bit of a dangerous job. You see, if the king didn't like the message that the prophet was trying to say, then the king had a number of options of what to do. You could throw the prophet into jail. You could confine him, uh, like Jeremiah's happening in this verse, or sometimes the prophets were even killed. Yes, the king did not like Jeremiah's first message. This is the second message that God is sending him, but the first time, the king was really outraged by this message. You see, at this point, God's people are being attacked. In this point in history, in this point in the story, the people in Jerusalem were being attacked by the outside country of Babylon. And the Babylonians were winning. They were under siege. And Jeremiah came to the king and said, the only way that we're going to survive this is if you turn back to God. Because the king for a long time had been living apart from God. But the king didn't want that. The king didn't want to share his power with anybody, definitely not God. And so rather than risk Jeremiah being able to share this message with a wider audience, meaning the people, the king chose to take Jeremiah to confine him in the middle of the palace under guard so that his message could not be shared with anybody. That's the situation that Jeremiah finds himself in. But God is persistent. And God comes knocking a second time. Now, skipping ahead a couple of verses, here is the message that now God is sharing with Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. Okay, so what is happening here is God is recounting what the wider people in Jerusalem are saying about their circumstances. Remember, they're under siege. They're being attacked. And so they're looking out at their world going, oh my goodness, it is a desolate waste. We are not going to win this. We are not going to survive this. And remember, 
They are living in the times before the Messiah. And so as they see everything that's going so poorly, they are just longing and waiting and praying for God to send that promised Savior to their world. Okay, pause the story for a second and apply it to yourself. Because I know that there are some of us in this room who know a lot about longing and waiting and praying, don't we? I mean, some of the trials of life don't seem very momentary. No, some of the trials, they last a long time, don't they? They can be years long, decades sometimes. Uh, Perhaps you've struggled with a mental illness that you just feel like has been lasting forever in your life and it's been wearing you down. Or maybe you've been estranged from a family member for far longer than you've liked to admit. When we're in the middle of those trials, everything can kind of seem like a desolate waste, right? Like things are not going well. But in those moments, what are you anticipating? That's really the question we need to ask ourselves. Because for many of us, when we're in the moments when things are really hard, we just anticipate they're going to get worse. We say, ah, this is, this is bad and it's going to get even worse. Or maybe we anticipate that it's not going to get worse, but it's definitely not going to get better. This is just the, the new normal for where we are in life right now. But God's people are asked to anticipate something different. God's people are asked to anticipate that something better is yet to come, that a Messiah is on the way. And this is what God affirms in the next verse. I mean, he says, you look out your window and you see a desolate waste. And yet, in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness. What I love about this is, is God's realistic. Uh, God begins by describing the current state of affairs, saying, yes, things are bad right now. You might be struggling right now, and God is not discounting that. But God also says, even though that's how things are now, here's the possibility of the future. Here's the possibility of the world that I am creating. And I think that's the absolute beauty of the prophecies that we find here in the Bible from many prophets like Jeremiah. Because you and I, we're limited in what we see, don't we? We can see only what is right there in front of us. We can see what is tangible, what is here and now. God sees that too, but God also sees what is still to come. And God chooses to call things, not just what they are in current reality, but God calls things by what they will be one day. So in this situation, God says to the people, you call yourself a place of desolation, but you will be a place of joy and gladness. Earlier, he said, you say that you are a site of abandonment, but one day you will be a place of health and healing. Yes, the streets may be deserted right now, but songs of joy are coming. I wonder, do you believe that? Do you believe that the sounds of joy are coming for your specific situation? 
But the prophecy continues to talk about where those sounds of joy are coming from. He says it's the voices of the bride and the bridegroom, meaning weddings will happen again someday. And it's the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, meaning worship will happen again someday. And these thank offerings, they bring them and they say, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, for his love endures forever. Do you think anyone in that current state actually thought about giving thanks? And that's yet what God brings our focus to. And he says, For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. So I read... And I reflected on that this past week. And, and what really hit me was it really, it takes a special kind of faith to sing of God's love, even when the streets are deserted. Doesn't it? I mean, it takes a special kind of courage to give thanks to God, even in the face of trauma. I think we really learn who we are during those waiting times, don't we? The waiting times, the in-between times from promise to fulfillment, between hope and the realization of what it is that we have been hoping for. And as I said earlier, I know a lot of us don't really like waiting. We live in that society where things are immediate. We want them here. We want them now. We want to just click Amazon same day and boom, there they are. But that's not always how God operates. I think of even a day like today. Today is a cold winter day, isn't it? It's a rainy day. And some people just hate winter. And they are waiting for spring to arrive. They are wishing away these days going, when are those flowers going to bloom again? Uh, when am I going to see the buds on the trees? Because right now I just can't handle this season. And I know some of us in this room are saying the same thing about whatever season of life you're in right now. You're saying, this season of life is so hard. I'm wishing away these days. I just can't wait for this situation to be done or for this moment to finally be over. Well, if that's you, I'm with you. Waiting can be very challenging. I was thinking about, okay, what are times that I really had to wait for something in my life as I was, as I was reflecting on this this week? And one particular experience uh, really came to the forefront of my mind. It was when I took 14 high school youth from Tampa, our church in Tampa, up to a camp in Jekyll Island, Georgia. Now that is supposed to be a six-hour drive. Emphasis on supposed to be. I'm driving the church bus, and within an hour of us departing, we pop a tire. That's fine, right? It's a bump in the road. Things happen. When you're going with a whole group of youth, there are going to be times where things go awry. So I said, that's okay. Keep the spirits up. We'll, we'll pull off. We'll get the tire changed, and we'll be back on the road. And we were. It, it took maybe an hour and a half for the tire to be changed, and, and we were ready to, to go again. The kids really kept their spirits up because we were keeping our spirits up, going, oh, this will be fun. Don't worry about it. It'll be a story you can tell. In fact, I even took a picture of my fellow youth leaders to show the excitement of like, hey, we're back on the road. We've got it right here. We put the, the busted tire on the back 
And I said, just give us a thumbs up because we're, we're going. We'll be just fine as we get back on the road. It was less than an hour after this picture that the second tire popped. At that point, I'm on the side of the road calling our facilities manager going, what is happening? Have you sabotaged our church bus? Like, what is wrong with these tires? And he's saying, I don't know. I don't know. Just replace all of the tires. So we did. We pulled into a place and it takes a lot longer to replace every tire. It was about four hours, I think. At this point, the youth are getting very tired of waiting. Their optimistic attitudes, the excitement of starting a trip is, is pretty much dissipated to zero at that time. What was supposed to be a six-hour trip ended up taking 13 hours. During those times of waiting, you're probably constantly thinking of what's supposed to be, right? You're going, this is not supposed to happen like this. I'm not supposed to break down here. I'm not supposed to be in this situation I find myself in. And we can drive ourselves crazy with the what's supposed to be. But instead, I wonder if we can just say, okay, in this time of waiting, this is reality. This is truth. This is where I am. And so could we reframe it? Could we say, you know what, it's not just about having to sit tight and wait, but maybe God can use this time. I firmly believe that God is molding and shaping us every day of our lives and that God can do some of God's best work during those periods of waiting. Because when you're just at the ready, saying, God, I'm ready for what comes next, there are moments where God says, I know when it will happen, but I'm asking you to wait because I'm working in you right now. I'm working in your heart. I'm forming your character. Maybe I'm preparing you for that moment when that fulfillment will actually come, for when that day is that you, what you longed for and hoped for is now finding its fulfillment. Yes, we don't like to wait, but honestly, God does good work in the waiting. For that moment, I just wanted to be there. I wanted to reach our destination and be done with the journey. But how much of life is about the journey? I mean, how much of life is us being in process? Not there yet, not fully formed, but on the way, on the route. And God is right there beside us, working on us in those times. That's what God is trying to remind his people. He's saying, you are waiting for a Messiah. Things are bad right now, but you are yearning for that moment. And God is trying to encourage them, saying that day will come. It may not be today. It may not even be tomorrow, but that day will come. And here's how he's starting his conclusion, the last couple of verses. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will fulfill the good promise that I made to the people of Israel and Judah. Yes, the days are coming when the promise of the Messiah, a savior into the world would be fulfilled. But when? I'm sure the people who are hearing this message for the first time were wondering, okay, when? When is that day? Well, that day had not happened when Jeremiah spoke. And yet he could speak confidently in faith 
that it would one day occur. Here's what he says next. He says, in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line and he will do what is just and right in the land. So I highlighted branch because that is a symbol that was used to talk about the Messiah. That's a symbol that was used to talk about Jesus coming. If you pictured God's people like a tree, then Jesus would be a branch sprouting out of it, bringing something new, a new life into the world. Jeremiah says, I know you're waiting for that branch. I know you're waiting for this Messiah. And the best I can tell you is that it will happen in those days and at that time. That's not specific at all, is it? Meaning, it's going to happen at the time of God's choosing. Jeremiah is saying, I don't know when that will be. And you know what? I don't have to. Because as long as I'm confident that God knows, then I'm okay with God's timing, that God has it set. And here's how he concludes this message. He says, in those days, whatever those days are, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Yes, Jeremiah predicted the coming of Jesus. And through Jeremiah, God asked the people to wait, to wait in patient expectation for when that will finally come to fulfillment. These people had to wait over 600 years for that to actually come to fulfillment, which means that sometimes the promises of God are not for you. They're for your kids, maybe your grandkids, maybe several generations away. And we no longer wait in the same way, do we? We don't wait for the Messiah. We celebrate the coming of the Messiah. That's what's happening in 15 days. We are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Jesus who has brought so much peace into this world. Jesus who has brought us so much fulfillment and joy. We get to live completely different lives because of the teachings of Jesus. And yet, we still wait, don't we? We wait for the coming of Christ again. One day Jesus will return to do what is right and just in the land. Uh, One day God will fulfill the good promise that God made. But until then, we wait in expectant anticipation. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.